0: As I said earlier, Oliver is speaking today. Unfortunately, he's not here. He has um, come down with COVID, but he has recorded the message. So we're going to watch a, a recording of the message. Just give us a few seconds. We're going to turn the lights off just so that it's a lot easier to see, and for the, especially for those that are online watching it, that they'll be able to see it far better on the screen. So, um, Oliver, just thank you for this message. and Can't pray for you now, but we are praying for your health, that you recover, that you get better, that you get time out just to relax and recover and rest, and um, we'll see you hopefully next week all fit and well, and the whole family is safe. So let's watch the video.
1: Good morning, Grace Vineyard. I'm afraid it's been some time since I've taken the stage, so to speak, to give a message to the church and I'm afraid that you'll have to wait a little longer to see me do it in person. Unfortunately, circumstances have conspired to give me COVID-19 for the first time since the start of the pandemic. With no small amount of nostalgia, I thought I'd take us all back to the realities of lockdown and pre-record my message. So here it is. So following on from Mark's message last week, we find ourselves moving from the cave of Adullam to another cave, this time in the desert of the Engedi, somewhere called the Crags of the Wild Goats. The message that follows is from 1 Samuel 24, so if you have your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to follow along. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of the Engedi. And so Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. In these first few verses, we are called back to chapter 23 where Saul was pursuing the the Philistines that were raiding Israel. Now, in chapter 24, Saul resumes his pursuit of David with 3,000 men. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a large army to be chasing one person. The crazy thing about this is, though, that in chapter 23, you will find that before Saul... Was pursuing the Philistines, he had taken his entire army to pursue David. You heard me right. His entire army. Not a few thugs, not a hundred men, not even 3,000 soldiers. No. His whole army. And so here's your first question to ponder. What is it that Saul should have been doing when he was first chasing David. We'll come back to that one later. He came to the sheep pens along the way, a cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. I don't know whether you've ever done something and then regretted it quite as quickly as David did. I know that I have. Or maybe you read these few verses and thought to yourself, what does it matter? It's just a piece of clothing. Either response is absolutely fair and natural, but there is something deeper going on here, deeper than is obvious at first reading. If you would go back to chapter 16 in 1 Samuel, you would see that David has already been chosen as king by God and anointed by Samuel, yet He has not yet been crowned. Saul remained king and was determined to pursue him to the ends of the earth to see him dead. David was waiting for God to declare the fulfillment of the promise of his calling and it was a waiting that was very uncomfortable. David was literally being pursued from crag to rock to mountainside by thousands of soldiers. Is it any wonder that when chorus of voices behind him declared, this is your time, the moment has finally arrived, that David desired within his heart to take what had been promised to him, but not yet given. <clears throat> In Matthew fifteen nineteen, Jesus says this, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. David was conscience-stricken because in his heart he had stolen from God and tried to take what had not yet been given. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. David allowed himself to be tempted by the words of his men, but his men led him astray. Both had a part to play. The people that stayed with David had just as much to lose as he did and as much to gain from the downfall of Saul. But it was David alone who would have to strike at Saul. Seeing David return from the encounter with the king, almost empty-handed, must have riled up the mob and seeing their chance to change their future slipping away, it's not difficult to understand why David had to restrain them. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes How the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord, because he is the Lord's anointed. David's heart troubled him. His own men tried to convince him to kill the king. Saul's spirit was troubled. His own men tried to convince him that David was trying to kill him. There was a battle of two kings being fought between father and son. Fears, hopes, lies and prophecies all mixing together in a terrible confusion. But what was the truth? The only way out was to seek God's perspective. To know that it is in God's timing, God's choice, God's anointing, God's promise. David says, Why do you listen when men say that I am bent on harming you? See my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me to to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. The days of David are not so different from our own. It has the same confusions, the same temptations, the same lies and the same evil. When truths are no longer believed, there is but one recourse. We must take the matter before the judgment seat and listen to the words of him who is faithful and true. We can take confidence knowing that despite evil being the same, God is the same. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. We Started this chapter with Saul chasing David with 3,000 men. Yet now we see a very different picture a father with his son, seeing him as family and not the enemy. A father who feels regret for what he has done, the pain that he has caused David. Seeing this healing of their relationship we can now see the words spoken by David's men in a new light. As it says in Genesis 50, verse 20, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And in the end, Saul blesses David for what he has done. I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. At the beginning, I asked you what you thought that Saul should have been doing when he was chasing David. We don't actually know the answer, but something I find interesting is that Saul first pursued David with his whole army. Then the Philistines attacked, and he reduced that number to 3,000. Saul, as king, should have been protecting his people against the raids of the Philistines. But instead, he was bent on finding and killing David. God used this moment in the cave to heal the relationship between father and son, but we see the difference between the pair in this final scene. Saul goes home, but David continues forward to fulfil the calling and anointing that he was given by God. In this sermon series on the life of David, we have been trying to share some of the things that we can learn from David's life. And today I just want to focus on a few of the things that we see in this account. We see David in a really difficult situation. He has received the anointing as king from God. But he is not king. He is being chased relentlessly by his father Saul. And we see that in a moment of feeling, of of words being spoken by his own men, that this is his moment, he does something. He tries to take from God what he has not yet received. He has lacked, in the moment, that discernment to measure what is good by the will of God. And it is such an important point that we must both discern and measure both the things that we think are good And the things that we think are not good. I'm fairly sure that David's men thought they were doing the right thing when they told David to attack Saul. They had a vested interest. They had their own hopes and desires. But they thought they were doing the right thing. They shared a word of prophecy. But in reality it was not the right moment they were in a period of waiting and that's a difficult thing and so one of the things i want to draw out and call up on on this message is the the great importance of discernment that we need to measure everything against the will of god and whether it is in words we have received in whether it is things that are happening to us. We need to measure them and understand what is true and what God is doing in the situation. Through this story we see God heal a relationship and that was only one of the things he did through this. God is a God of love and he loves to bring healing to us and I just want to leave us there with that thought of a loving God who brings healing, who is truth, who brings us into knowledge and wisdom by revealing to us the things he knows. Okay, we have some questions. Um, And... We have the usual one, which was, was there anything that stood out for you in this message? Something along the similar lines, but as we've gone through quite a lot of um, Samuel and lessons from the life of David, it would be really good to look at what has really stuck out for you during this sermon series. What, What has been the enduring lesson for you? And the next question is um, really on that topic of discernment. What, what does that look like in your life? And finally, as we always need to do, we need to pray for each other and, and um, just be in each other's lives and um, speak into our, our our situations, these things that we have in, in common the with the people in our lives. And I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you today. Um, I trust I will be back uh, next week. Uh, Lots of love to you all. Bye-bye.
0: And for those who are online, thank you for being with us. I trust that you got spoken to as well as much and received as much as we have. Um, For those in the hall, let's get on with the discussion questions and those online. If you're with somebody, discuss it.